Hi, this is Jeff Dixon. I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I hope you enjoy as we continue this series, WL Miami Foundations, as we explore the various and basic understandings of what we believe. things and then suddenly he's not there. I want to talk about that moment when it does not appear that God is there. This has been kind of on my heart this morning. I didn't think I was going to talk about it, but I really sense that I need to because I think it's going to help somebody out in a real way. Let's go to Exodus 14. I get this Get these, Exodus 14. We're just going to read the story and I'm going to talk about it as we go and see what God says. For those of you that have been with me know that this only happens on Wednesday night. This doesn't typically happen on Sunday morning, right? I generally stick to my notes. But uh, I think it's... You know, I think it's significant and important to get to a place where we seek after, pursue, and abide in a tangible pursuit of the presence of God even when it appears that he is removed from the pursuit. Exodus 14, this is, let me make sure it's here. <laughs> It is. Okay. So we're going to read most of this entire chapter. Again, I don't have my three points. You all know I like my points or my good solid notes. So I'm in uncharted territory at the moment. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of this weird name between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now, I want to stop there, because that's how this is going to work today, and some things that stand out here is so that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. You know, God is always working within us and on behalf of us for those our adversaries, those that are pursuing us, those that are trying to get the best of us. We will call them our enemy in this moment. He is always and continually working on our behalf to demonstrate himself to them into an effect that they will know who he is and who he is working on behalf of. You following what I'm saying there? Yes, this one sure is. 
God is in the business of demonstrating who he is, especially to people that need to know who he is because they're after us. You see, in the room today, I believe that those of us here know who God is. I believe that we have seen him work. I believe that we have known his hand, that we have seen his power, and that we believe him to be true and real, amazing and glorious. But I also believe that we have come in contact with people that have accused us, ridiculed us, made um, their efforts to diminish what God is doing in our lives. When we up and move across country, or at least across a large state into another state, I bet there are people that have said to us, you're stupid, you don't know what you're doing, how can you do something like that? I believe there are encounters that we come across all the time where there are people pointing to us and saying, you can't do it. There was a, a, a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Nehemiah that set before himself to build a wall, and this is not a political speech for the moment, about building walls, but there were adversaries that came against him and that said, you will not do this, you cannot do this, you're not strong enough, you're not capable, you don't possess the powers to do what you think you've done. You have not heard from God, and I'm here to tell you that when you've heard from God and you step out, those adversarial voices will come against you even stronger, and that ought to be a testament to you to know that you are walking in the divine purpose that God has for you, but the cool thing about that is just as God has said here, they shall know that I am the Lord. They shall know that I am the Lord. How do they know that I am the Lord? Well, within our obedience, it's where God can demonstrate who He is. For had the Israelites tucked tail and ran back to the Egyptians, there's no way God could have demonstrated who He was. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in a moment that even though they were against insurmountable odds called a Red Sea, we're going to see in the moment they did not turn away, but they advanced towards the cause that God had them at to advance, and within that, God was able to demonstrate who he was. But I'm also going to show you within this where they were advancing forward, but they could no longer see the very presence of God before them. And how scary must that have been? How, how must that have been a, a moment in which they should have or could have or could have been justified to turn and go the other way, to back down, to step away, to quit believing on the promises of God, but yet they moved forward towards what God had called them to. Because I'm going to tell you, God is not one that changes his mind when it goes to what he has called us to do. But as firmly planted as we might be in his call upon our lives, he is more firmly planted in the call that he has put upon us. And he will see to it that we accomplish what he has put before us to do as long as we walk in obedience. And I believe with all of my heart that when we fail to walk in obedience, he will still accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He just may have to use other means and other sources to do that. Amen? Are you with me? So verse 5 says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled in the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people, they said, What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? In other words, they've changed their mind. What have we done? How come we've let our, our, our people, those that have done all of our work for us, why have we let them go? So he made ready his chariot and, and 
and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and all his horsemen and his army, uh, and over and overtook them encamped by the sea by this weird name in front of this other weird name. And in verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us to... uh, done to us in bringing us out of Egypt. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. I know in this moment they've lost sight of what's happening to them. They've complained, they're grumbling, but there is one man. There is one strong. There is one standing upon the promises and the calling of God. His name is Moses. And Moses says to the people in verse 13, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he worked for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord, check this out, will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. In other words, he's saying, God's going to work for you, so shut your mouths. God's going to do something, it would be best for you if you just shut up and watch what he's going to do. God's going to do something magnificent in your presence, but the way he's going to be able to do it is upon your silence. And see, you've got to get the picture here that we've got a bunch of workers, not warriors. We've got a bunch of slaves. We don't have a bunch of people that know how to yield uh, arrows and bows. And we don't have people that are trained skillfully in battle looking at some of the most skilled battle people, warriors coming after them. And so they begin to fear and speak out and verbalize their fear. And Moses says, you better shut up about what you're confessing and declaring because God is able to fight your battles. You don't have to do it. Shut your face hole. Exactly what he says. Shut your mouth. Be silent and watch what God will do. And it says in verse 15, The Lord actually says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward. Continue. Why does this thing that's coming at you, why does what seems like the doom or demise of what you've been set out to do, why do you let that slow you down? When we come against opposition, when we come against naysayers, when we come against accusation, it is our typical plan or our our nature to slow down or stop or question, but it's God's nature for us to continue to move forward at the pace or at a faster pace than what we initially set out to do. God says, don't slow down, continue to move forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can we move forward? There's water, right? So they're at the Red Sea. The picture is they're right here. To go that way means to go back into slavery. To go this way means to go into drowning death. Slavery? At least I'm alive? Barely? A short swim to my death. So we've got the picture, right? And Moses is commanded by God, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, 
and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. May go across the sea without hindrance. Without even an inkling of opposition. Without even a a tinge of anything that would slow them down. We've all walked in mud. We know what mud can do to slow us down. I'm spitting like a son of a gun today. Yeah. But God says, move forward and move forward in a way that there is no hindrance. I think that's a word for us today. That when God is going to move us forward, the hindrance is behind us, not before us. When we begin to find hindrances in our lives, maybe we need to evaluate what direction we're walking. Maybe we need to evaluate what has been presented to us and have we gotten off course. Because God has called us to move forward. And it took a a huge amount of faith, I would imagine, for Moses to even lift his hands. And, And if you notice, God told Moses to divide the sea. Divide the sea. Make way the path for you to move forward. Verse 17, And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. I will make them dumb enough to follow after you. And the Egyptians shall know again here that the Lord, or that I am the Lord, when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who is going before the hosts of Israel, check this out. Now, the picture, we didn't talk about this. This is something that we real, need to realize is as they've wandered through the wilderness, he has led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He has led them. Do you lead from the front or from the rear? You lead from the front. So he has led them from the front. They have, as they've marched forward, they have seen the glory. The Shekinah is the word for that. That is the manifest presence of God, the very tangible, uh, presented before me in a way that I can see, touch, taste, smell, or some form of with my senses, experience the presence of God. It has gone before him. And right here, there's a description of something that's about to change in aspect or in respect to the very uh, very presence of God. And it says here, the angel of God who is going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. Moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them. Now, they're advancing forward on dry ground to all of a sudden no longer see the presence of God. No longer encounter presence of God before them. And I can't help but think about our lives or my life or what we go through on a daily basis and sometimes wonder what is going on when it appears that the presence of God has been removed from before us. Is it because of sin in our lives? Maybe. But oftentimes I think there's a place where it's like, I've done nothing wrong. I'm pursuing you, God. I'm pursuing your will. I'm following after your plan. And all of a sudden, God, you have removed yourself from before me. 
I understand the word of God says that it's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So I'm trying to pursue the path in which you've opened up before me. And here I am wandering after what I think is the perfect will, the plan that you have for me. And you've been there and you've been guiding me and you've been speaking to me and you've been nourishing me and you've been my source, my sustenance. You've met me in prayer. You've met me in worship. Your glory has been amazing. I've I've been able to talk of your deeds. I've been able to talk of how you've moved, how you've healed, how you've demonstrated. And all of a sudden, when I'm advancing forward, now you're no longer in front of me. You are no longer presenting yourself before me. Why have you moved from in front of me? And it's very simple. Oftentimes, he has not removed himself from us, but he has removed himself behind us. Why? It says it right here very click, click, very clearly, even though I can't say it. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between, listen to this, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. You see, it was a protecting force between the enemy and the plan that God had for his people. It was the protecting force to allow the people of God to continue moving forward so that the enemy that was pursuing to stop the plan of God's chosen couldn't see what was beginning to happen to cause them to turn around and stop the total annihilation of what God had planned to to wipe out the people that were set out to stop, to distract, and to keep the people of God from moving forward. You see, the presence of God may not have been before them. In their mind's eye, they might have said that the presence of God had removed himself from them when all along all he had done was to take up the rear. I think it's quite interesting that when we read in Ephesians about the armor of God, that everything, (laughs) everything about the armor of God is taken up as a front-facing protection. Why? Because God's got our back. Because God is in the business of protecting the guard, the rear guard. God is our rear guard. God is the one that's behind us taking up the rear And it says, then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by the strong east wind all night and made the uh, sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians, they continued to pursue and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, all Pharaoh's horses, all of his chariots, and all of his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights. Here it is again. The Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch your hand out over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course 
when the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Israel that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them, not one of them, not one of them, it says, remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So we've got this phenomenal picture of God taking up the rear. I spoke, I think it was last year, about our inheritance as you read in Isaiah, I believe it's 54. And our inheritance is an overwhelming victory. When David took out Goliath, he was dead when he hit the ground. He was deader when he cut off his head. Deader is a word today, okay? When the Israelites, they could have crossed the Red Sea, and there's no way the Egyptians could have gotten to them. But the Egyptians couldn't, got to the, couldn't have gotten to them, or he could have annihilated every last one of them in the sea. In the very means in which God used to deliver the people, his chosen people, it's the same tool he used to wipe out the enemy. I can talk about Jericho. I could talk about what Jesus has done on the cross for us today to let you know that we have an overwhelming victory. So when it appears that God has removed his presence from before us, think not that he has left us. The Bible says that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Think not that he's removed his presence from us so that he cannot be touched, felt, known, or seen, but he has simply oftentimes taken that which is leading us and taking up our rear as a protection We don't know always what God is thinking, what God is doing. The Bible says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. We don't understand the plan that he has in the grand scheme of things because we also know that God was in our yesterday, he's today, and he's already in our tomorrow. He knows how tomorrow is already going to play out before we even woke up today. You see, he's looking at us and in our lives from a broader perspective than we will ever see. Because today we're looking at one pixel in the grand scheme of the picture in which he gets to see in full perspective. So when God seems to have been removed from the moment before us, take delight in knowing that he's got your back. Take joy in knowing that he's preparing you to walk into the very path that is going to annihilate the enemy from behind you. Take joy and security in knowing that God fights your battle for you. And he might tell you to be silent, but our real response is to worship him in the midst of what we're going through. 
We don't have to understand. We don't need to get the answer to our question why. All we need to do is believe. Believe that God has called us. Believe that He has a plan. And more than anything else within that belief, continue to walk forward. Continue to advance. Advancing is the name of our game. And as long as we're advancing, Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.